<laughs> Hello. Hi, Steph. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Good, good. So, can you believe it? This is our last episode of Bird for 2018. It's crazy. It's been a year of all of changes of so much. It's just it's very I exciting. I can't even comprehend what a year it's been. I know definitely for me personally, but you too, you, you've got some crazy transitions coming up ahead. Yeah. And um, also just generally people we know going through stuff. Maybe yeah. everyone else has had a big 2018, but... Something in the moon is is bringing us changes for this year. Yeah. But we are speaking currently from New York and you're in London. I am in London. Finally found a place to rest my wings <laughs> after <laughs> this crazy year. So yeah, we've been in London for about three months now. Crazy. And how are you liking it so far? It's been really good. I mean, it's been a huge transition after like the year of moving around and yeah. also kind of coming to terms with the fact that, that we don't live in LA anymore, which is has been sad, but you know, we're in London, so decided to get into the groove here yeah. and enjoy it. And this Oh my god, I think you can probably hear my New York radiator heater turn on, <laughs> which is unavoidable in the winter. It just decides to like hiss at a moment's notice. Um that anyone in New York will understand. But this podcast was filmed and recorded in Krakow. That's right. Yeah, it was in, back in Poland when I was spent the summer there with the family. And this is an, a special episode because it's recorded with my sister. Yeah, which is fascinating. I found it fascinating to listen to because I obviously know you really well. I know some of the experiences you've had, but it was interesting to hear from someone so closely related to you and the experiences they had growing up, especially when you know your family moved to Australia from Poland and your sister was seven. And some of the stories from that time I found really interesting. Um, even just little things like all the food in the supermarket um, and being able to just readily go buy food. I, I found that something I didn't even think about. Totally. I mean, it, it blows my mind that, you know, we're siblings, but have definitely had a very, very different upbringing, different experience. Like you said, Anna was seven when she left Poland and it was like, you know, the height of communism at the time. And then, you know, to the other side of the world, to Australia, not knowing the language, not having any family there. And that transition into like learning English, being at school, but also having this thing hanging over her that was the dream of going back to Poland. You know, they thought it was a temporary move that they were only a year or so away from going back and going back home. And that obviously kind of get kept getting prolonged and, Till eventually, you know, they became citizens and stuff. So that whole transition period was really interesting and how she dealt with that and how she decided that, you know, looks like we're not moving back to Poland, but I'm going to move back anyway. That's what she yeah. wanted. To go back, I think when she was 23, she yeah. said. Yeah, it was a really, like, it's almost like a slice of life interview as well, where she talks about now being a mother and what her life looks like and how she got through some of the struggles of having two kids and, um, you know, finding things in her life that she's passionate about. Yeah. I think definitely. a lot of people will be able to relate to that. Yeah. It's really interesting. I think it's, it's like when you sit back and look at anybody's life, it's just so fascinating and it's so different and people go through so much and 
it, it's a bit different from our other episodes where a lot of people have built something, whether it's a new company or opened a restaurant, where there's this clear thing that defines their life. Um, but we kind of, the, it, that's sort of not Anna's story. Anna's story is really just kind of learning new things, kind of being open to new things and change and just kind of seeing where life takes you, but having these goals of like, well, I want to live in Poland. I want to have a family. So, you know, how do you kind of build a life around that? And how do you deal with those goals? Even though you wanted them, they might not be what you expected them to be and things like that. Yeah. It's really interesting. I think a lot of people will get something from it. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's kick it off. Uh, this is the interview with Anna. All right. Do you remember your first week in Krakow? Only vaguely. I remember driving down with my then fiancé. I had so few things that we packed them all in a pretty small car. And I think, may possibly, he carried me across the threshold of the apartment. Really? Yeah. Daggy. As a symbol to our new life together. You came down from Warsaw? Yes. Yeah, how long had you been in Warsaw? It had been about three years. So just taking it back before then, you were born in Poland, raised in Australia, and then you came back in your early 20s, right? That's right. So how old were you when you left Poland? I was nearly seven, a couple of months off my seventh birthday. So what was that experience like? You were coming from a country that was like still in communist times. I assume you didn't speak any English. And then all of a sudden you're being told you're moving to the other side of the world. What was that like? Ah, well, I still quite remember it quite clearly. It was, it was exciting. Um, but it was mostly exciting because it was supposed to be temporary. So it wasn't as daunting as being told that we're never coming back. And I didn't speak any English. Dad tried to prepare us by teaching us to say, how do you do? Poss possibly a line I've never used in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and we were, well, we were just hyped up about kangaroos and things. And Did you know anything about Australia? No, but basically just that there were kangaroos there and that people spoke English. I think that's, that's pretty much all I remember knowing. And then when you guys landed in Melbourne, like what was your first kind of impressions of being there? Honestly, probably the first impression that I can remember still is the supermarkets full of food because Poland had no food. And we still, I don't remember not getting enough to eat, but I remember special things like chocolate and powdered orange juice called Tang that we used to eat by the spoonful, They're coming from abroad in packages from, from relatives. So I was just in awe that in Australia you could just get anything from the shelves. Dad took us on a shopping trip and we just couldn't believe it. I still remember that supermarket seemed absolutely enormous. When you got there, like once you got to Australia, was it sort of like, oh, 
like Poland was almost in the background and it was like this whole new world that you were just kind of immersed in? I guess so, but we always sort of talked about Poland and about coming back and it was expensive, very expensive in those days to make international phone calls. So we only had phone calls probably once or twice a year and I'd get to say hi to everyone. But I just remember always in the background this waiting to come back, that this is temporary and that we're coming back. But I, had a, I still had a good time. We made friends. We started school straight away. And I, just, I guess I just kind of treated it as a temporary home. I didn't really wait, like obviously wait to come back, but it was always in the sort of in the back of my mind. Do you think that's something that you took on, like as opposed to your brother who was a couple of years younger? Yes, I probably have more definitely have more vivid memories of of Poland. I also I had already started school there, so I w I could read and write, and I was encouraged to write letters to our grandparents and cousins who were all waiting for us to come back. What was it like? Cause, so when you landed in Australia and you were put into school, you, you said you didn't really speak any English. So do you remember some of those first kind of few days at school where you didn't speak yes. the language? Well, first probably few months, it was very awkward. Definitely very awkward. I remember sitting in class, absolutely no idea what to do. The other thing is that in Poland, school starts later, so I had only done a little bit of kindergarten when I, and when we came to Australia, I went straight into second grade, and it had already started, so it wasn't like the first day of second grade, and I just remember not knowing at all what I'm supposed to do and just copying things from a friend's, like a friend was writing in her book, in her exercise book, and I was just copying off her, not knowing what I'm doing, and I didn't understand anything. I still remember our teacher getting some magazine out, which was possibly Woman's Day or something like that, and pointing to a picture of Lady D of Princess Diana and saying, lady. That's probably the first word I remember learning at school. And we had, we had like a class for, for international kids who didn't speak English, like an ESL class, but I think it only was on like once a week for like an hour <laughs> for kids from different grades. So, so my brother and I would meet up there, but I, and I just remember playing with kids and I remember starting to understand, but not being able to speak. So that was really frustrating because kids would ask questions and I'd know what they wanted, but I wouldn't know how to formulate my answer. And my mum and I have the same name. So there was this time when a friend, one of my best friends from school asked me, what's your mum's name? And I knew if I said Anna, then she'd think that I misunderstood the question. So, but I thought, well, what can I do? So I just said, Anna, and she said, no, that's your name. I was asking what your mum's name is and I just shrugged because I didn't know how to say that that's her name too. Was it traumatic? Do you see that as a traumatic time or? No, no. I thought it was actually pretty fascinating. There was one Polish boy in my year, but he wasn't very friendly but I was kind of forced to hang out with him because he, he could translate for me. And, but we never became good friends or anything like that. I think we learned to speak English pretty quickly, but I, I can't remember. I wouldn't be able to say whether it was a month or two or three. Do you remember like once you were sort of 
in that at that point of being able to communicate it, having friends, how much did that sort of change you? No, it was too long ago, but I did make friends pretty quickly, and I don't remember being very sad about being there, or, st- I don't, or the start of school being very traumatic. On the first day, we made our poor mum sit out in the playground for the entire day on a bench. I still remember her sitting on this bench. I'd keep looking out of the classroom window to make sure she was still there. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, she must have been thing. traumatic for her too. Yeah, probably maybe even more so than for us. Yeah, because well, her, her English wasn't strong either. No, I don't think she could speak it at all. So the other day you were saying that you remembered that years later Dad said that you guys were becoming citizens. Yeah, it was a long process. We were supposed to come back to Poland pretty much like every every year or two I'd hear that we're staying for another year or two. So I still missed family. I remember speaking to a favourite uncle on the phone and he's saying, when will we see you? And I said, in two years. And he actually ended up dying suddenly. And so when that happened, I was like, I will never see him. And I told him two years. That was definitely very traumatic. That feeling that there's something we'll never get back. But for many years, it was still kind of a temporary residence. And our parents tried to migrate to Canada in the meantime because of dad having so much family there. But we were, I think we were rejected twice. And we got residency in Australia. I can't remember exactly when, but I definitely remember when dad came to say that we were becoming Australian citizens and I was devastated. How old were you? I was about 14, so awkward age. I had a, I really had a fit. I had a tantrum and I said that I'm not giving up my Polish citizenship because I'm not Australian and I'm never going to be Australian. And it was very theatrical. I cried a lot, locked myself in the bathroom, which is pretty silly because it turned out that I didn't have to give up my Polish citizenship, but I wouldn't let mum and dad get a word in edgewise. Yeah, well, you didn't know at the time. No, it just seemed like everything that I had sort of been heading towards was suddenly being taken away. And then I just made a decision that I'm going to come back one day anyway, even if no one else does. Wow, that was when you decided? Roughly around then. I can't remember if it was that day or if it was that year or a year later. But still, when I was a teenager, I decided that I will come back to to Poland one day. Do you think that sort of stopped you from fully immersing in Australia? Like, do you consider yourself Australian? Now that I'm back in Poland, yes. (laughs) Well, I'm definitely not just one or the other. It's impossible once uh, you've lived somewhere else to identify as just one. One nationality, there's definitely differences between me and Polish people. So I think I'm more multicultural than either or. But even though I did want to come back to Poland and I did say I'm moving back to Poland, I it didn't detract from me enjoying my time in Australia. I really liked living there at the time. I, I loved especially my high school, college years. And then university was good. And I, I had originally planned to come back to Poland after finishing school to study. But as the time grew closer, I realized, I thought it wasn't practical, that I wasn't ready emotionally and 
I also wasn't sure how I'd support myself in Poland and I figured it might just be better as well to have an Australian education, tertiary education. So I went to study European studies and European languages and I wasn't very happy with the European studies aspect of the degree. So after a year I switched to linguistics. And then when I finished, when I finished my bachelor's, I still wasn't ready to come back. And I applied for some graduate studies. So I did a year of that. And then, um, and then I traveled and then I moved back when I was 23. When you, when you look back at that time, like how old you were in the eighties moving to Australia at that time, do you think you're almost lucky to have spent those years in Australia compared to those years in Poland and Poland went through a lot of transition at the time, but do you think you, you were kind of given a lot more opportunity spending those years in Australia? Definitely. I, f I feel very lucky to have been able to live in Australia for, for all those years and to study there and go to school. And I think it's, I have in Australia, I had the opportunity to befriend people from all over the world, which has become very important to me. I think if I had grown up in Poland, I probably would have been a lot more sheltered and not even so much about the about communism because, I mean, I have friends that grew up here in communism that are, have made a good life for themselves, but I just think that the whole aspect of living abroad, just opening the mind and opening horizons, that was, that was probably the most important part. So then when you did finally decide to come back at 23, you know, what was that feeling? Like you'd been waiting so long for that moment. Were you ready to go? Were you, were you not sure this was the right thing to do? Like how was it also with your parents, um, like mum and dad and that whole transition? Well, I think it would have been a lot harder if I'd come back as soon as I finished my graduate degree. I mean, my undergraduate degree. But I ended up putting it off for another two years because I first I ended up doing the, the graduate studies for one year and then I actually travelled for nearly a year. And then by that time I had no money and I didn't want to move to Poland penniless. So I went back to Australia and I worked for a couple of months. So, so leaving home, it was kind of mentally happening for two years it wasn't that it wasn't traumatic for me it was it was a little bit sad because I knew this was the end of me living at home so but I was 23 so by Australian standards that's pretty old to be moving out anyway um, but I was really I was really looking forward to Poland and uh, I just came back and I was just really excited to be here even I wasn't even that critical of things um, because things are different here and they're more difficult, I think, on a lot of levels. But I was just really excited. I was lucky to get a job straight away. It was a really badly paying job, but it was at least something to start with. Did you have a moment or realisation after some time here of being like, oh, this is not what I thought it was going to be, or I, I don't feel like I belong anymore, or my Polish isn't up, you know, was there any of those kind of feelings? Maybe not so much of not belonging, but I, after a while in my job, I was in a, I was working for a large corporation. So that's not my, that's not my thing. 
but I didn't know. I mean, I just sort of grabbed the first opportunity that came along and that seemed reasonable. So I had more of a, I guess, a moment of doubt in that career. I knew that wasn't the career for me and I didn't really know what to do when I needed an income and changing to a different corporation wasn't the solution. So I started working on a plan to become a freelance translator. And then that was, I ended up going back to Australia for a couple of months between jobs and saving up some more money to get a computer and to sort of get, get going with my own business, so to speak. And then that wasn't easy either because I, I landed a really good part-time job as a translator, which fell through a couple of months later. And so there were moments where I thought maybe not that I don't belong here, but I thought this is hard, like things are hard. It's hard being an adult. It's hard being on your own. And I remember this distinct moment at, in my apartment. I was in bed and I thought this is just overwhelming and I don't know what to do. And I went, right, you can either keep going or you can go back to Australia. And I just went, no, I can't go back. I have to make things work here. I just felt that it, going back wouldn't be the right decision for me. But you didn't have a solution. You just knew you didn't want to go back and then you'd figure it out. Yes. And so what happened after that? Well, the, I mean, I, cannot, I can't really remember the exact point where this happened. I think it was soon after I came back from a trip to Australia and I wasn't getting as much freelance work as I had hoped for. And then I ended up meeting the man who I later married. But when I first met him, he offered me translating work with the opportunity to travel. And qu quite soon after I started doing some freelancing for him, we fell in love and we started dating. And that, I think that happened within about three months of that moment where I had the crisis. That's crazy. Yes. Yeah, it's almost like something I was telling you that something's coming on the horizon, you don't know what it is, but you got to stick going this way. I think so. When I moved to Poland um, in 99, I was, I, I was sort of planning on moving back for good, but I didn't know how things would work out. And it was very daunting and scary to tell everyone that I'm moving back forever. So I told everyone that I'm going for at least two years and then I'll see how things work out because I had this feeling that one year wouldn't give me a clear enough picture. It'd be more like a holiday. And I ended up meeting my husband exactly two years after I got here, but I didn't start dating him for another about eight months. And then not long after that is when you moved to Krakow. Well, 10 months later. Right. Because he was, he's based in Krakow, but he was, travels a lot for work and he was in Warsaw a lot and I didn't want to move in with him immediately. I mean, when we started dating, we were pretty sure we'd end up getting married and he did want me to move to Krakow nearly right away, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to hurry. And also I had been living in Warsaw with a cousin. We'd been flatmates and the cousin had just moved out. 
and I felt that I wanted to live alone for a while, just by myself, doing my own thing. So just to kind of fast forward a little bit, you ended up moving to Krakow, you guys got married and you have two children now, but you know, he is very established in Krakow, born and raised, his family's from Krakow. Do you feel like you were sort of entering his world and then you had to kind of carve out your own world later? Or like, how did you feel that transition went? Well, I had already spent a lot of time in Krakow before because I always had friends here, so I'd come here for weekends for partying. But I'd always think I wouldn't want to live here because it's such a, got a, such a small town feel and I liked the fact that Warsaw was much more, was much more bigger and sort of more spread out and I felt that I felt a little claustrophobic in Krakow but it was completely impractical for many reasons personal and work-wise that my husband could not move to Krakow I mean to Warsaw so it there was it was a no-brainer I had to come here or basically um or, or break up so when I moved here it was I was definitely I was entering his world in a way but I did have some friends and I knew the city a bit. And my first goal was to get freelance work, to get clients for my translations. And I had a friend in Warsaw, an American friend who had lived here, who I worked with. And she recommended me to a couple of places. So I got a bit of a network going. Yeah, and so I've just pretty much just kept up with that freelance work since then. That was in 2003. So fast forward, you've been like maybe 15 years or so in Krakow now? Yes, 15. And being, for me, watching you in this like transition from afar, really, because I've you know, never spent much time close by. I think when the kids were younger, I was a little bit more detached from you guys because I was going through my own thing. But definitely seeing over the last few years, you have built a lot of your own stuff, like you do your dancing, you, you're now part of the International Women's Association at Krakow. Yes. And it sounds, it sounds like you have a really nice solid foundation for like things that bring a lot into your life personally, which do you think the first few years here were, you know, were they difficult? Were they just as good, but different? Like how, how have you seen that transition? I, I enjoyed the first years when I moved here because um, I freelanced. I got to travel a lot with my husband. He travels extensively. So I just pack a laptop and go with him. Um, at the time, my grandmother was in Warsaw and she was very elderly and needed care. So I was in Warsaw with him nearly every week. Every two weeks, if I had any jobs, I'd just work from the apartment we were staying in and I'd spend time with grandma checking on her. I really became, I feel, isolated after having our second child. And I didn't realise that that's quite a common thing for women, for different reasons, to, to become isolated after having kids, because that completely grounded me in Krakow. I mean, our first child did too, but I didn't have the same... Um, I was in a better emotional frame of mind when we had her. I mean, it was overwhelming starting a family and with my husband away so much. But she was pretty pretty easygoing baby. I had friends. We'd hang out with our babies and 
things were going quite well. And then when we had our son, it was a really bad time in our lives because my husband's company had suffered from the global crisis. So he had much more on his plate. He was hardly ever here. And I had a couple of close friends that all left the country. They were probably the closest friends that I had at the time that I spent the most time with. They all, for different reasons, moved abroad. And also, our son was very, he was, a, they call, a high-needs baby. So basically, he was always crying. He just, he was very demanding. And then we had the two-year-old that was very easy until her brother came along. And then she started competing for attention. And I was lucky that I had a nanny. I had a lovely nanny who lived with us at the time, who's a friend of the family. But I couldn't even keep working, sort of for the first nearly, I guess about eight months of having two kids. I couldn't even like bear to think about looking at any, into any work. So I lost some clients. I was just living in a bubble of kids' needs, kids and their needs, and I completely sort of forgot about myself because it was just overwhelming. And I was trying to be a good mom and have a routine going and all everything was always at the same time, their bedtimes, their walks, etc. And there was no room for there was no space for me there, which I didn't even notice. I definitely I think I was I got addicted to the internet. <laughs> which it makes sense I was always pretty addicted to TV escape portal yeah when we moved to Australia TV was new that's another thing there wasn't much TV in Poland during communism just a couple of kids shows a week so our parents didn't know and I don't think many parents knew in those days to limit TV time so we got a lot of TV time and I think that that sort of trans transformed into internet time for me so I was pretty hooked and and it wasn't sort of till the kids got a bit bigger. I think our, when our son started going to preschool, or he was about two, that I started doing some exercises, like just going to Pilates classes and doing more work. And that's sort of when, when things got easier. Like the cloud was lifted a bit. Yes. Do you, th do you have any advice if somebody was going through that or about to have their second kid that, you know, or if you did it again, is there something that you would do differently? I'd definitely try to be more social, um, find friends or spend as, I mean, I did still have friends and I did spend some time with them. It feels like it wasn't very much. The other thing is that I'm sure that a lot of mothers can relate to is that they do forget about themselves. I used to, before having kids, I had always had goals. I had like a list. I had a list of goals. Living on my own, traveling to these and these places, doing this, doing that. That completely stopped when having kids. Like, I sort of, I guess, I, I would say coincidentally, but I don't think it was a coincidence, I started dancing. And I remembered that like five years earlier, before even starting a family, I had said to myself, one day I will take up dancing. Because that was, I used to joke that that's the only sport I enjoy. I don't like sports, I can dance though. There's even this meme on Facebook that says, I can dance for hours, but I can't run for five minutes. 
that's me. So when I started the dancing, I suddenly sort of transformed. I suddenly felt like I was coming to life. And, uh, and people were like a bit critical, like, why would you spend so much time dancing? You know, shouldn't you be with your family? Shouldn't you be working? So there's a lot of pressure. I'd feel guilty. I remember standing on the dance floor, looking at myself in the mirror, thinking, oh my God, I should be doing something more useful. And then there'd be days where I'd be there and I'd look at myself and think, I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky I can be here. And I have this friend, she's actually one of my best friend's younger sister, Kimmy. She had kids very young. She had kids at 10 years before I did, at, 10, at 20. She's got three now. And she's really well organized. She's, she'd finished uni after having kids. So did her husband. They've just bought a house. They've both got careers going. They're really good hands-on parents. And I see all this on Facebook, mostly. Sometimes Kimmy and I message. And whenever I'm in Australia, I try to catch up with her. And I remember messaging her as a, as a you know, 10 year, or she's 10, at least 10 years younger than me, 10 year younger mother who's got it all figured out. And I started writing to her a little bit about sort of my insecurities and about the dancing and feeling guilty for taking time out. And, and it turned out that she had actually had gone through similar sort of difficulties and she said she felt like a crap parent and she sometimes and she thought that it's really weird that I felt guilty for taking time out she said man you shouldn't feel guilty like and it just made me realize that you see can see people on Facebook or wherever and you can compare you compare yourself and think I'm worse or you know this person has achieved much more than I have or whatever she's stronger but really the struggles are the same sure I mean, also like taking time out for yourself is ultimately beneficial for your kids because you need that to recharge and you need that to be more focused and a better mother. So you're actually doing them a favor by dancing. Yes, probably. But we also grew up at a time when parents just worked pretty much. Either just worked or took care of the house and that was like the norm. So that was kind of etched into your mind that that's what you should be doing. If you're not taking care of the house, you should be working. So... Um, I have a friend uh, who is, uh, she's a counsellor, she's Danish, and she told me just forget about everything that parents did when we were young. We're in a new era and there's no model for what we should be doing and just go with your heart. That was some, probably some of the best advice that I've heard. Your kids are much older now, like 11, 13, and starting to do their own thing and all of that. But yeah, and I'm in an age where, you know, everybody's having babies, all my friends are having babies, even second or third babies and stuff like that. But I still like the idea of having a family to me sounds really nice. And I think I'd like that. But there's right now, there's nothing inside me that's like, oh my God, I wish I was having a kid. Everyone else is having a kid. But then every time I meet anybody, any of my friends who have kids, it genuinely sounds like a nightmare. And I ask everybody, I'm like, well, you know, but, you know, what are the good things? And then everyone's like, oh, but obviously I wouldn't take it back. It's great having kids, but I, I don't see it. And I definitely don't hear it 99% of the time. And of course there is some reward there, but, you know, like realistically, 
I don't know. I think I guess people who have kids, I get the impression that when I talk to them and they say, I don't have kids and I'm traveling and stuff, it's almost like they want me to feel bad about not having kids because they have kids or I just flip it thinking like, do you feel bad for having kids? And you, just because you have kids, you're supposed to feel like it was the right decision. You know, like nothing's perfect, but I sort of get this impression that when people have kids, they're like, well, of course it's great. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to have kids. You know, that's ultimately the point of life. And, but I don't know that some people just look so miserable. Well, it's definitely overwhelming. You're, you're, you know, master of your own life and suddenly a kid comes along and suddenly everything changes and they become the most important person that you have to focus on, especially in the beginning. I definitely the first month of having our daughter who I really wanted and I was really excited to be pregnant. I was really looking forward to having a baby. The first couple of weeks I thought, I've made the biggest mistake ever. I had this nice carefree life. Why did I stuff it up? Really, honestly. At the same time, I did love her and I definitely didn't have any postnatal depression with her, but it was just a shock to the system. However, um, we did sort of, probably within a couple of months, it was really good. She was a pretty easy baby too, and it, I was just really happy. And it, it was harder when, when our son came along but, uh, well, I don't know, I always wanted to have kids and I always wanted to have two kids. So I just, uh, I, it's really exciting seeing them grow up and change and what they're interested in. And it's, I try to encourage them to be independent. I probably still mother them maybe a bit too much, but I do try to encourage them to do their own thing and to do what they like and I'm a bit scared of when they become independent completely and move out. And I had this weird, <laughs> it was pretty embarrassing. I was in Ikea about maybe a year ago and there was this young couple choosing plants. And I actually stalked them for a little while and thinking that's going to be my kids in a couple of years in Ikea with a partner choosing something and I'm not going to have any say in it. <laughs> like just seeing those people really, it, it freaked me out. <laughs> I felt like a weirdo because the kids were, you know, still years off that. But it just, it really struck me. Why? That just that they're going to be independent. They're not going to need me as much. But at the same time, I'm trying to encourage them to be more independent and to do my own thing. So when I first started dancing, the kids would get annoyed. They'd be like, are you off to your dance classes again? You, you don't do anything else. All you do is dance, which is not even true because when they were smaller, I wouldn't, I would only go to evening dance classes once a week. Um, I tried to do all the classes in the morning. So I had that possibility then. So, so as not to take time out from them. Um, and now I go in the evenings and they stay by them at home by themselves a lot of the time. Um, so if, and if I don't go and I say, actually, I'm not going tonight, they'll be like, why not? You need to go. You need to relax. <laughs> you shouldn't miss class. Remember when you told me when I didn't feel like going to Capoeira that you should force yourself and you will have fun? <laughs> because they, they want me out of their hair. Yeah. Because then I'm not stalking around saying, have you washed up? Have you brushed your teeth? Have you done your homework? Have you packed for school? 
So what about looking ahead, like whether it's a year ahead or just something, a, a new goal, like you said, you had all those goals before the kids came along. Are you starting to bring those goals back? Have you got that list? Is there something you want to start doing? Well, I haven't got a list. I've had, um, I've had times during my career as a translator and proofreader where I've thought, gosh, I don't know if this is the way I want to be going. But uh, I've also sort of felt the need to contribute as well to some kind of good causes and also to be creative without necessarily making any money from it. And I've found the International Women's Association where I'm now running a dance class for women and I'm running the book club. The major incentive behind that was to get myself to read more because I used to read loads of books and and I've hardly read anything after the kids came along. So I'm reading a lot more. I'm dancing. I've got this class for women which the aim is for them to just feel good and have fun and that's working well. Um, And I've entered into the committee and one of our main goals is to raise money for local local organizations, local charities or orphanages and places like that. So so that's that's uh, my charity work. And uh, I don't know, I think that once you take a step forward and change things, then new things keep coming. So I see some there's some new things on the horizon that I don't want to talk about. don't want to jinx them. But I'm hoping that just new things will keep coming along and opening up for me and I'm open to new things, which I used to not be. So that's, yes, I even, I took a job that I didn't even want a couple of years ago just to get out of my comfort zone, just to do, challenge myself. And after that job, that's pretty much when I found just new opportunities coming that I hadn't seen before. I hadn't been, hadn't been, I don't know, hadn't been open to them at all. So then I just want to throw out one more question, sort of along those lines is, you know, what's the best piece of advice you could give? I think, I think it's also hard, it's also hard to do this, but like to just push away the negative thoughts that I'm not good enough, no one will want me for this. That kind of thinking is getting you nowhere. You think, I think a lot of people have this tendency to think that someone else will think that they're not good enough, but it's really them limiting themselves. And then if you stop limiting yourself and you don't say, oh, I'm too old, oh, but I have two kids, oh, but I something, oh, but I can't do this because my husband's away for work a lot, you are putting restrictions on yourself. And you just really have to change your way of thinking and then pretty much everything can change for you. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, also, that makes me think of restrictions um, create creativity, I guess. You can't be creative without boundaries or restrictions. It's very difficult when you have an open slate. But when you start, somebody's like, hey, paint something. You're like, well, what do I paint? And be like, okay, well, you can only use brown and something else. Then you can start like creating something. So, so you can almost look at those things that you have, whether you have two kids or your, your age as being like parameters to help be more creative or you have to be creative because of that. Last question is, what are you doing right after this? Today? Yeah. Well, actually, we're doing a professional family photo shoot today, which is something we've never done. That's exciting. Yes, one of my friends from IWAC is a photographer and 
I guess it's something I've toyed with. I'm not really into these posed photos, but I like her work and I thought it'd be nice memory. Cool. For the future. <laughs>